Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Well, happy Easter Connect. It's good to see you all. You know, if it's your first time with us, I want to especially say welcome to you. We're so glad you decided to celebrate Easter with us. Could anyone use some good news? You know, there was a time in life when I could really use some good news. Specifically, my wife Amanda and I could really use some good news. We, uh, we had found out that we were pregnant. Well, I wasn't. She was. And we were really excited for this news, for our family to grow But we hadn't told anyone yet. We hadn't told our parents, friends, anyone. Because we had heard that if there are complications with a pregnancy, they'll often happen in the first 12 weeks or so. So we're waiting and 12 weeks is on the doorstep. We're eager to shout this news from the rooftops when Amanda cries out for me from the bathroom upstairs. I I run up the stairs and I find her on the floor rocking back and forth, tears coming down. And I say, oh, sweetie, what's wrong? And she holds up what looks to be the sure sign of a miscarriage. I'm no doctor, but I didn't need to be. And I just crumbled next to her. Her doctor's office had long since closed for the day, so we had to wait. Anxiously, sick to our stomach, wait. And what did we do? Because there was no doctor to call, we Googled it. Has anyone made that mistake, like Googling medical symptoms? Just added fuel to our fear. That was the longest night, most heart-wrenching night, most lonely night of our lives. I barely slept, Amanda slept even less. But when the clock struck 8 a.m., she was on the phone, she called her doctor, and they said, come in right away. So they make space for us, we hop in the car, we rush to the doctor's office, and we get into the ultrasound room, And when the ultrasound tech was doing her check, and she said, your baby's healthy, our our eyes swelled again. This time we had tears of joy. We went on to meet with the doctor. The doctor said, you know, this is actually more common than you'd think. It's going to be okay. Amanda's looking healthy. The baby's looking healthy. We will do a routine, you know, ultrasound check here in a couple weeks. This is what we call a subcurionic hematoma. I might have just butchered that. I'm not the nurse. My wife is. But when the doctor shared this news with us, it was as if like a warm blanket just enveloped us. Relief from all of our fears. When we hopped back in the car, we decided never again are we going to go through something like that alone. Now, that good news that day is even better than we thought because we now know that baby girl And her name's Hannah Joy. And she's so fitting. If you saw her this morning, she is full of joy. And she gives us such joy. Do you need some good news? The level of angst you might feel, it might not be as cute as we felt that one night, or it might be more so. I think all of us could use some good news. After the chronic pain and and bad news of the last couple of years. In just the last two years, we've been through a global pandemic, racial injustice, 
a heated presidential election, and now we have war in Europe. I think we could all use some good news. And as we've been trying to process all these things, many of us, what we'll do is we'll just hop on our phones and we scroll through our news feed. And it gives us a dopamine hit <clears throat> for the moment, which gives a, a little semblance of relief. But we're left more anxious, more depressed, more lonely. We need some good news. And that's what today is all about. You came to the right place because there is no news better than the good news of Easter. Today and in the weeks to come, we're going to hear the good news and herald this good news that Paul, a follower of Jesus in the first century, wrote to the Christians in Rome. We're going to, Rome. We're going to be looking at the book of Romans. We kick off a series today, and if you want to follow along, you can do that. Romans 1, 1 through 17 is what we're going to be looking at today. But you can also get a Bible in the back if you are looking for where Romans is. It's about three quarters of the way through. If you want to follow along in our church app, you can do that. There's a place you can jot down notes there as well. The, the instability and the uncertainty of the last couple of years has left many of us wondering who we are and what we want to be about with our lives. We've faced the fragility of life as a culture, as a world, in a way that we haven't in a long time. And it's left us with some big questions. Now, the Romans weren't in the exact same situation that we're in, but they were in need of some good news themselves. You may remember from a history class or a history book, Nero was the emperor of Rome in the first century. And Nero was to Christians as Hitler was to Jews. Nero killed Christians as sport. So here, Paul is writing a letter to the Romans, to Christians in Rome. And they are in need of good news. Good news that's hopeful. Good news that's transformational. Good news that's unshakable. And that's the kind of good news that Paul shared. And we're going to open up and begin to see even today. As we prepare to open Romans, would you bow your heads? Let's pray and let's ask that God be the one to speak to us in this time. Lord, we come before you and we ask that you would give us some real good news. The, the bad news of the last couple of years, the bad news we've even personally experienced uh, in the last couple of years, Lord, we ask that you would give us good news that trumps it all today. It's why we gathered, it's what we celebrate this Easter, and we ask that you would reveal it to us in a fresh way now. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul introduced himself to the Romans as follows. This is Romans 1.1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Okay, who's this guy, Paul, who's writing this letter? Well, he introduces himself as a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. This is who Paul was. But it Paul wasn't always this way. Paul used to be Saul. Saul grew up under one of the most elite, prestigious religious leaders of his day. Paul had it all figured out, or so he thought. And Paul, in his religious zeal and self-righteousness, he persecuted Christians. He saw that they'd be thrown in prison, saw that they'd die for their faith, or their blasphemy, as he perceived it. That was all until one day when he's on the road to Damascus, he's heading there to put Christians in prison 
But Jesus appeared to him. And in that moment, he went from persecuting Jesus' followers to choosing to follow Jesus himself. And then he went on to proclaim Jesus throughout the Mediterranean. Paul became the greatest missionary the world's ever known. Many of us are here today because of the message Paul shared back then. Everything changed for Paul. In his story, his message gives us hope, regardless of our past, that we can experience a brighter future with Jesus too. Paul knew who he was. He was a servant of Christ Jesus. Paul knew what he was about, proclaiming the gospel of God. Gospel, that isn't a word that you hear much outside of church these days. But that wasn't always the case. Actually, back then, 2,000 years ago, gospel wasn't a religious term. It was a political term. And what it was is a messenger would come into a city shouting, Gospel, good news, or in Greek, euangelion. The idea being, uh, euangelion means good news or good message. Now, this person would come into the city and they're, they're shouting it. Good news, good news. And they were sent by a general who had just won a war or an emperor who just got married or had a baby. You see, the idea was the kingdom was expanding. And this messenger was there heralding this good news. Now, when good news or gospel, when it's you know, political like this, what that means is some win and others lose. And it was a political term back then. The first person to use the, the word gospel, good news, in a Christian context was Mark. Mark interviewed Peter, Jesus' best friend, right-hand man, interviewed Peter, and then Mark was writing a biography on Jesus' life. To, that he sent to the Romans, actually. And in that, this is how Mark opened his letter. Mark 1.1, 1, 1, he says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Guess who Mark traveled around with sharing this good news? Paul. Paul of all people. Mark and Paul, they traveled together. They're sharing this news of Jesus. And here, back in Romans, we have Paul opening his letter in a very similar way to a people, a, a Christian people who are under the regime of a nation, who is mid-world domination, who has an emperor who thinks he's the son of God. And Paul says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Now, you want to hear something like really cool? I came across this in my study for this message when they would share this term, gospel, okay, good news, they would do it in the plural back in. That was like the common practice. Good news is. But Mark and Paul both used the term in the singular. Because once you experience the good news of Jesus, there is no better good news. You know, we've been through a lot as a people. And maybe you're hoping your people will get elected in November or that COVID will go away, or inflation will drop. I can't promise you that your people are gonna be elected in November, just like I can't promise you health and wealth. What I can promise you this, while we want good news is, Jesus is the good news, the gospel of God, the, the power for salvation for all. 
And that's why we gather today, to celebrate him in the news that it is for us. Now, Paul's only one verse in, and he's just getting started. He, he's already blown up the paradigm of good news in that day. And then he goes on to flesh out what that good news is, who this Jesus was. And here's how he continues in verses 2 through 5. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David, and who, through the spirit of holiness, was appointed the Son of God, in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through him we have received grace and apostleship, to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Paul briefly outlines this good news here, the gospel of God, which is all about Jesus. And and who is Jesus? Well, this is Paul's case for Christ. It starts with Jesus is the promised Messiah. Messiah in Hebrew, Christ in Greek means anointed one. And the Hebrew scriptures, our Old Testament, it it was just filled with promises and prophecies of this Messiah who would come one day and free God's people. We see glimmers of it back in the story of Adam and Eve, Abraham, King David, the prophets. It's throughout the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, that God is promising that one day he's going to send someone who's going to set his people free. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Christ. See, Christ isn't a last name like Jesus Christ. Christ is who Jesus is. He is the long-awaited king who has come to free God's people. And Paul continues with the second point, Jesus is the Son of God. Roman emperors claimed to be the Son of God, but Jesus proved it. Sure, healing the sick, casting out demons, forgiving sins, it all turned heads. But one thing put an exclamation point on the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. Three, Jesus rose from the dead. Now, this didn't just kickstart Easter. It sparked a movement, the biggest movement our world has ever seen. Christianity is built upon this truth. Jesus is the risen king. That's what it's about. You see, on Judgment Day, no one's going to ask you, what do you believe about science? Who'd you vote for? Oh, no. No, no, no. On Judgment Day, one question matters. Your answer to one question really determines your destiny. What do you believe about Jesus? As C.S. Lewis put it, is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? God's not looking for us to fail. He wants us to pass this test, which is why it's not dependent upon our performance, our great study, our good works, our effort. It's based on God's grace. His word is chock full of his grace and him communicating, look, this is who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? For Jesus is Lord, meaning he is the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one, the risen king, and he's so much more. You see, he is the one we worship. He is the one we follow. We believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. He died on the cross and he rose again and he's offering us new life. 
And throughout scripture and throughout church history, the way people have responded to that question, what do you believe about Jesus? The way they've shared their faith, proclaimed it. It's a really simple proclamation, but it has game-changing implications. People will say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. In this statement, there is worship because we realize who he is and who we are in light of who he is. There is surrender because we know we can't save ourselves. Our sin separates us from God. Side note, if you don't know what sin is, sin is uh, what the Bible refers to as those things, those times where we knew the right thing to say, but we didn't say it. Or we knew we shouldn't do it, but we did it anyway. These things are sin, and they keep us from God. We miss the mark of his holiness, his righteousness, his purity, his perfection. And when we proclaim Jesus is Lord, it's a proclamation of surrender. We're laying ourselves down saying, we can't save ourselves. We need Jesus to save us. And in that, there is also submission. That we're saying, we're going to choose to follow Jesus in his way. No longer are we going to go our way. Now we're going to go Jesus' way. The version of Christianity that Jesus died for wasn't consumeristic. It wasn't casual. It wasn't simple believism. Jesus' invitation from the very beginning was very simple. And he put it this way when he invited his first followers to follow him. Matthew 4, 19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. He essentially said, I'll change your identity. I'll give you purpose. Come follow me and help others follow me. When we get engaged, we want to post about it because it's exciting to share the news with everyone. When we find out we're pregnant, we invite our friends and our family over and we have a party and we celebrate. When we hear from the doctor that the cancer is gone, we can hardly get to the car before we hop on FaceTime to share it with that person. Because good news is fun to share. Everyone loves sharing good news. And what's true in these areas of our life should be especially true when it comes to the hope we have, the ultimate hope that we have in Jesus. How do we do this, though? How do we follow Jesus? How do we help others follow Jesus? Like, where do you start? Well, Jesus laid it out really clearly. It was one of the last things he said to his disciples before he ascended to heaven, where he is right now, at the right hand of God the Father. He said this in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You want to start following Jesus? Get baptized. It's an outward expression of what he's doing inside of you. Dying to your old life of sin, like you're not going to live that way anymore. Instead, Because of Jesus, you're raised to this new life. Life with him. Life following him. Loving others. If you're a follower of Jesus, how do you keep following him? It's really kind of simple. You just keep obeying the teaching of Jesus. His word is, is full of what that looks like. And it's just the daily practice of, hey, I'm going to follow you today. I'm going to obey what you said today in this relationship. 
in that conversation. And then when it comes to helping others follow Jesus, baptize them and help them obey Jesus too. Jesus really kept it pretty simple. Sometimes we can overcomplicate it. We can lose the main thing and all these other things. But it all comes back to Jesus. And personally, I'm a pretty logical guy. Like, that's just the way I am. It's the way I think. It's, you can probably see it in, in this message or other messages. Like, I just think kind of logically. And what I figure is that if Jesus predicted his death, he predicted his resurrection, and then pulled it all off, and over 500 eyewitnesses could testify to it, like, I'm with that guy. I, that's easy for me to believe. There are other things out there that, that takes a lot more faith for me to believe. But 500 eyewitnesses to an event that happened in history, I can get behind that. I'll give my life to that. And what it's looked like in different seasons is in high school, I wanted the middle schoolers in our church to hear of Jesus. So one evening a week, I would lead a small group for our middle schoolers. In college, I played tennis. <clears throat> And uh, all we did was really lose. But after we lost, what we would do is we would go and we would actually offer to pray with our opponent. So like at the end of a tennis match, you shake hands at the net. And then that was normal for people. And then we would be like, hey, can we pray for you? And you should have seen the look on some of their faces. They're like, what? But we would. Now, I'm going to unashamedly preach the gospel because I believe with everything in me, that it is the power of God for salvation for everyone, for you, for me. Paul was so pumped about this gospel being the good news, the good news that trumps all other good news is, that he couldn't even complete his introduction without extending an invitation to his original audience. He said it like this in verses 6 and 7. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is contrary to Paul's religious upbringing. He was brought up to think that the Jews were the only people of God and everyone else was an outsider. But here, he's extending an invitation to Gentiles, those who weren't Jewish, those who weren't the people of God. And he's inviting them to experience this hope that he has. And like Paul did then, I'll do now. Whether you grew up religious or not, whether you go to church every Sunday or you've, this is your first Sunday. Jesus is for you. He loves you. He came so that you can have life. That, that separation that your sin caused in a, you know, with your relationship, yeah, he stands in the gap. He paid the price for your sin, but he didn't stay dead. That's the good news of Easter. He rose, he is victorious, and he's offering us a victorious life. See, Jesus changes who we are and what we're about. Now in, in Romans 1, 8 through 15, Paul says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit, in my preaching, uh, yeah, the gospel of his Son, is my witness how I constantly remember you. 
in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. Paul wants to see them. He's never, never rubbed shoulders with the Romans. He wants to be with them. He says, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want to be... I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Though Paul and the Romans had never met, not at this point. Paul had this deep bond with them, this longing to be with them. Because while we all long for community, we long for relationship. There is no relationship with another human like a relationship that's grounded in a relationship with Jesus. You see, he is the anchor. He is the one who propels us forward. He gives us mission and purpose. He's the one that we gather around. And when we connect with him and we connect with others in community, we're not done. We're like just getting started because Jesus is so compelling that we want to share him with others. We want others to experience what we're getting to experience. So that might look like reading the Bible with your family or grabbing coffee with a coworker or inviting a neighbor to a worship service. The beauty of the church community that's, that's centered around, anchored in Jesus, is that we're better together. We see glimpses of, of what Christian community looks like in what Paul wrote to the Romans. Uh, we should celebrate with one another, as Paul did in verse 8. We should pray for one another, as Paul modeled in verse 10. And we should encourage one another, as Paul was anticipating in verse 12. Now, you might not be ready to declare Jesus is Lord. You might not be there yet. You're exploring faith. You're curious. You've got questions. And that's okay. We get it. And it's a, it's a huge reason why we gather like this as a church. We want to give you a space, safe space to explore your faith. But I want you to know this. We say this often. You can belong with us even before you believe what we believe. Because we want you to experience community, community that loves you, people who've got your back, people who are going to go to battle for you, people who are praying for you. Right now, self-directed spirituality is like a fat. And you can grow some on your own. You can. That's a, that's a pretty cool thing. You can listen to podcasts. You can read books. You can watch videos. You can grow some on your own. But I'm just going to warn you, your growth, your spiritual growth is going to be stunted until you find yourself in a community where you can ask questions, where you can learn from one another, where you can support one another, where you can discover and follow Jesus together. We're, we're running out of time, but I want you to know we're just getting started. Together, for our local community, Jesus is the good news, the best news. News that's, that's better than any other good news that we may want to hear. Because there are times where we want to hear good news. Sometimes I'll go on my social media feed and I'm looking for something to encourage me. I don't know why, but I am. And, and then I feel a little more self-conscious. Maybe I, I look in the mirror 
and it's just been a rough day and I, I'm just like disappointed in myself. I'm not the dad, I'm not the husband that I want to be. Or maybe it's questions. There are days where I just have questions. I have questions about work or relationships, faith even. I, I have questions and I'm, and I'm discouraged and that, that bogs me down. And it's in these moments that I'm so thankful for Jesus. That it's not based on my performance. It's not based on my know-how. It is on Him and His grace that we can experience life with God. This good news trumps any bad news that comes our way. You see, it might be dark for a night but joy comes in the morning. When that, when that stone rolled away from the tomb, light broke through, and it's offering you and me hope, light to pierce the darkest you know, portions of our life. Paul concluded his introduction this way, and I will as well. He says this in Romans 1, 16 through 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. If Romans were an essay, this would be Paul's thesis. If he were preaching a message, this is his big idea. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Jesus is good news for everyone. Whatever your past, whatever your present, he is good news. He is good news for the Jew, the historical person of God, and the Gentile who was considered an outsider. He is good news for the connected and the disconnected. He's good news for you and those around you. Jesus is the good news for us and others. So like Paul, personally follow Jesus, passionately pursue his people, and proudly proclaim the good news. It's tempting to look for good news from a doctor, a politician, a news outlet, a significant other, a best friend. And they may offer us good news that provides a relief for a moment. But only Jesus offers peace for eternity. Because it's through Jesus that our sins are washed away. It's through Jesus that we're reconciled to God. No longer does our sin keep us from, from Him. Through Jesus, there's relief. Scripture paints this picture of what it's going to be like one day, where there's no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more suffering or pain, because that, that has passed away. Jesus is making all things new. He wants to make you new. He wants to offer you new life, full life, eternal life. So will you receive this good news? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this good news. Thank you that we have hope in you. Thank you that you victoriously rose from the grave. Thank you that as, as dark as the night may be, Joy does come in the morning. While we fall short, you followed through. And for that, we're so grateful. We're beyond grateful. We don't deserve a relationship with you, but you freely offer us one. It's a gift. It's your grace. And we're so grateful for that. 
As we reflect now, would you speak to each one of us, prompting us with the next step that you have for us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.